episode 177 of the Cricket Her Weekly. We're back from our week's holiday in Pembrokeshire. Beautiful tans we're showing off, aren't we, Sid? <laughs> well, some some slight tans anyway. The weather was mixed. But we had a good time, didn't we, Sid? We did. Good. Do you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> no? Okay. We have also, of course, been keeping up with the 100 while we were away. We couldn't just ignore cricket completely, could we, Sid? Um, so let's do a little bit of a rundown about what's been happening in the 100 to start this episode. Um, I'll just run through the points table, first of all, based on um, the situation when we're filming this, which is Sunday morning, UK time. Um, so top of the table, having beaten the fire in a last ball thriller yesterday, are the Southern Brave. So you're happy, Sid? Yeah. The Pom Bears are on top. Back on top. <laughs> So they've got eight points to Welsh Fire's seven, so the Fire are second, um, so that's pretty good. Then um, close behind them are the Pop Chips women, uh, the Northern Superchargers, my team, um, who are on six. So those three are a little bit out in front. Um, then um, in fourth place, Manchester Originals with four points. Um, in fifth place, the Trent Rockets with three points. Um, and the Oval Invincibles also have three points, um, but have a slightly... Um, less good net run rate um, and then bringing up the rear unfortunately our London Spirit with two points um, and Birmingham Phoenix with just one point on the board so far um, so Spirit and Phoenix um, bringing up the rear as I said there um, but can they still qualify Sid you've done your analysis haven't you yeah they still can definitely still qualify in fact both of them can still win the table technically um, the math says that um, and you know you can't buck the maths so there's 15 games left that's like about 14 million different scenarios if you <laughs> oh take into goodness. account the possibility of games being rained off I'm just trying to imagine me doing it with a bit of paper and a pencil <laughs> don't, you, don't you get to be able to do 14 million scenarios with a paper and pencil it's what you okay. need a computer for okay. so yeah they've, they, they've both still got a chance everyone can still mathematically win the table um, and finish top but you know obviously you know Brave and Fire have got by far the best situations um, you know, in terms of if you can go as far as originals, so Brave Fire, Superchargers, and Originals still all have their destiny in their own hands. Right. That means if they win all their remaining games, they will definitely qualify okay. for at least the third place playoff. Right. Um, so you know, they're they're the ones in the most positive position, but everyone else, you know, still keep fighting. There's still something to fight for. You know, get in that top three if you can, and you know, make that eliminator, and you never know. You know. Okay. Now, last week um, we talked about the fact that the um, the draft had been successful in terms of taking Welsh Fire and moving them from the bottom to the top. And um, well, as you just said, they're not yeah. quite top anymore. No, no, they're se but they're second, so they're they're having a very good season. Um, they they should really have won that match against um, the Brave yesterday. But anyway, we, we won't talk about the four buys in the in the final set. Um, but um, having said that, um, so at the other end of the table, Invincibles have gone from being invincible in the first two seasons, um, having won the, the first two titles, to being now near the bottom of the table um, and, and potentially struggling a bit to qualify, actually. Um, they're one of the teams that don't have their destiny in their own hands, I believe. Yep, that's right. So, so it's, it's a tricky old season for them. Um, however... In terms of teams who have been successful 
in previous seasons and are still being successful, let's talk about the Southern Brave, okay? Because I can't work this one out, Sid. Southern Brave have been in both finals of the Women's 100 that we've had so far. Um, admittedly, they, they lost both times, um, but they were in the final. Um, they're now top of the table. So can you please explain to me how Charlotte Edwards manages to turn everything she touches to gold, even when there's a draft involved? Because it's not really fair, is it, on the rest of us mere mortals? Well, the draft even things up, doesn't it? But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that necessarily. I mean, a draft of the kind that we've done this year, um, although Fire got the first picks, you know, that still meant that they only got one pick in the first round and then... Um, you know the the brave also got a pick in the first round. They got to have to use their retention card as well. But I think the bottom line is that you know that this is what happens with when you have Charlotte Edwards, who's you know the person that probably watches more women's cricket and pays more attention to what's going on in the domestic game than anybody else. There's nobody else that pays as much attention as she does to the to the rest mm. of the domestic game. And so you know she's always focused on these players and always looking at you know which players she might be able to bring in. And she's thinking you know sometimes you know seasons ahead um, about players that she might be able to bring in in two or three years time. And she's got roles mapped out for players. Yeah. It's really interesting what she's done with Rihanna Southby yeah. in in this this hundred competition because of course Rihanna Southby got dropped by the uh, the Southern Vipers. <laughs> Nearly called them the Southern Brave. Not the she, same. Got, she got dropped by the Vipers because um, you know it was perceived that they, there were stronger batting options. Yeah. But they brought her in as the specialist wicketkeeper into into this competition, um, and um, you know even though she's batting, she's batted at eleven um, in one game. She's batted at ten in one game. I think she might have come in at nine in in one, hour, nine one game. Yeah. Um, but you know she's batting. She's not. She's basically playing as a pure wicketkeeper. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know it's been a very successful strategy, and she's won a won a player of the match award. I think um, you mean Match Hero Award. Well, I think you mean Meerkat Match Hero. <laughs> That's true. Sorry, I didn't get my branding in there. Anyway, yeah, she's won a Meerkat Match Hero. And when was the last time a wicketkeeper won a Meerkat Match Hero um, f purely for their wicketkeeping when they, you know, they hadn't even batted in that Well, case. I don't think we had Meerkat Match Heroes before this season. Didn't have much Meerkat Match Heroes in my day. <laughs> Yes, no, I know what you mean. I think it's unprecedented so it's for somebody to be call, player of the match but, purely you know, on their wicket. Charlotte yeah. Edwards, you know, shows again that, you know, she's a very shrewd analyst of the game and she knows the players very well and yeah. she knows what people can do. Yeah. You know, and Rihanna Southby's always been a decent wicketkeeper. The issue with her, you know, has has, ne has never been her ability to pull off some top-class stuff behind the stumps. The, the, the kind of dual issues with her have always been that she, her batting... Is, is not up there with, you know, most of the other keeper batters. Um, and, you know, she maybe has a, had in the past a few concentration issues where, you know, she's like let the basics slip through all the while while pulling off something spectacular. So if you pull off something spectacular and then she'll, you know, mess up on a couple of basics and, you know, you, you don't really want that either. Mm. But ultimately what Lottie's concluded is that, you know, she can do the business here and she has done and Lottie's been proved right again. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the some other... canny, canny um, ability to work out who the brave needed to focus on retaining, because there was some um, kind of criticism about them letting Sophia Dunkley go, for example. But um, having Danny Wire and Smriti Mandana at the top of the order, and then with Maya Boucher coming in at three, they just look, they look very, very strong with the bat. Yeah, no, and it, you know, and 
Dokes has, has made a couple of good contributions. She has. Now. She's um, doing well before. But, yeah. yeah, exactly. So uh, now at the other end of the at the other yeah. end of the table, Raf. So we see, we've seen that um, you know that Brave negotiated it really well. Mm. We've seen that Fire negotiated the draft really well. What's how what's that with Spirit? Because they seem to have not kind of not really taken advantage of the draft to be able to. What's your, what's your theory on Spirit, Raf? I don't know if I have a particular theory other than to say I think that they were really it was really unfortunate for them to have two washouts right at the start of the competition because I think what that's effectively meant is that um, other teams have come in and have kind of you know been able to um, gel together and work out how they play together and they've almost got a too much head start on the Spirit. Um, so having those washouts at any time was unfortunate, but right at the start, it makes things particularly tricky. Um, so that means that Spirit have actually, at the time of us recording this, only played two matches. So it's probably a little bit early to say, oh, um, we're going to judge them just on just on two matches. Um, but perhaps we should talk a little bit about um, washouts, because that has been unfortunately um, a continued theme in the 100 we did talk about this um, last week and then I think that on the day that we recorded it both of the matches on that day were also then washed out so the first seven matches I think four of them were washed out or something anyway um, there was a question raised actually about this um, because um, the Old Trafford game um, this week was had to be abandoned. I think that was on Tuesday, maybe. Um, I've slightly lost track of the days, but it was Originals v Spirit. Um, and um, Daniel Gidney, um, who's the Lanx CEO, actually tweeted. Um, and he said um, that the women's game shouldn't have been abandoned because it was abandoned really early. It was abandoned at 12 noon. Um, so that the men's game could start on time at 2.30pm and he said that um, basically the men's game should have started a bit later um, so that they could have got in a women's game and um, a kind of a shorter women's game but they still would have had um, two, two matches instead of just the men's game being played um, and he said you know there's currently zero ability to mess with the men's timings um, and that shouldn't be the case if we are truly an inclusive, if we are truly an inclusive sport that prioritises gender equity. Um, and sort of went on and said they, they could play till 10pm because they could put the lights on, etc, etc. Anyway, so we had a question from Don um, about this. Um, hi, Don, if you're watching. Um, basically, what do you think about this? Um, but what was interesting was that after that, um, possibly even the next day at Lord's, um, the men's match, I think it was at Lords. again, <laughs> I feel like I'm a little bit all over the place because we've been watching everything remotely. Um, the men's game was actually delayed by 15 minutes so that they could play, a, a, albeit a reduced, but only a slightly reduced women's game. So I think they played 85 balls or something like that instead of 100. Um, so And then they ended up having to delay the men's game because there wasn't quite time to do the turnaround. So, so that, um, almost that Daniel Gidney comment was it seems like was noted by the folks at the ECB and was then acted upon. Yeah, it's very interesting. You do feel sometimes with the ECB that they're like, oh, we can't possibly do that. That would, that would, be, that would be a ridiculous thing to do. And then five minutes later, goes, yeah, we're going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little bit what's happened here. But I mean, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, the, the women's competition was particularly suffering. I'm, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not a weatherman. Um, as <laughs> no, don't think um, anyone thought but, you were. You know, I'm not John Ketley. But um, who? John Ketley's a weatherman, Raph. Remember that one from the 80s? John Ketley is a weatherman, John Ketley. No, no, no okay. idea. I thought you were going to go with at least like somebody <laughs> I'd heard of, like Michael Fish or. 
Well, the, actually, the last line of the chorus is, and so is Michael Fish. So, <laughs> what is that song? Somebody <laughs> knew a song it. about weathermen. Yeah, John Kelly's a weatherman. Um, I was actually at school. I was in the, in the same house at school as his son. And you can imagine how his son suffered as a result of this song being on top of that. Okay. We've, anyway, we've massively Apologies to all viewers and listeners <laughs> to subject you, first of all, to Sid singing and secondly to a song about a weatherman. Anyway, I'm not a weatherman, but I wonder okay. if there is something about the, it being more likely to rain during the day than in the evening. But that's certainly what's... I mean, so it might be random, it might not be. But it does seem to have been the case this year that the, the weather was affecting the women's competition much worse than mm. the men's competition. But the ECB have shown some flexibility, and that's that's a positive. So yeah, you, definitely. You know, thumbs and up. I, and I do think two thumbs up. <laughs> Go on, Raph, you, we can do three I thumbs don't, up. I, no, she doesn't have any hands left. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, what I think is that actually, and I actually tweeted this: is this this wouldn't have happened in any other competition other than the hundred, um, because the ECB have shown a much greater degree of flexibility in the hundred. Um, than they have in other competitions. Look at what happened in the first year when it was pointed out that the rain regulations um, allowed people to claim a refund when only the women's game had been played. Um, and there was a there was outrage about that because it was felt that you were then devaluing. What have I have I misremembered no, that? No, it was no. something like that, wasn't yeah. it? And there was there was an outcry about that because it was felt it was really devaluing um, the kind of equal positioning of the men's and women's games. And so they then changed that basically immediately. They said, yeah, that's our bad. We kind of presumably they'd done a copy and paste job on the rain regs from a different competition, and they hadn't really clocked that. Um, and so they just changed it straight away mid competition. Um, and I think that that degree of flexibility is not something we see very much in cricket um, which is kind of notoriously the other way and as you say it's just people going oh well no of course we couldn't change that it's been like that for years and years um, so this is just the ECB holding their hands up and going yeah yeah Daniel Gidney probably had a point um, fair enough so it's interesting um, I guess the other question then in relation to that is should the men's match sometimes be, be played first because then it's fairer that's kind of if the if the weather is disproportionately likely to affect the the first match than the second match should should it be um, kind of yeah should they be playing more women's matches second? Well, we, yeah, we've talked we have talked about this in the past. Um, obviously, we had a couple of women's matches played second in in season two. We did. So we've gone back to the you know making the entire calendar yeah. the same. I think there's some value in the entire calendar being the same. Yeah. Not, I don't have a huge axe to grind about this one, Raf. To be honest, mm. I think that things are working out pretty well the way they were, and I'm not sure that I'd massively want to change it. The crowds are up again this year. Yeah, we're they getting are. That, you know yeah. fantastic every single. Every single women's crowd, it feels like we're breaking records for the for the women's attendance for yeah. for the hundred. So it's just going up and up. Um, I think the men's crowds are more static. I don't know if they're down or or, but they're, they're definitely more more on a level. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, I think things are good. things are going in a positive direction the way they are. I'm you know I'm I think you know if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Okay, fair enough. Um, now, Sid. We have got an unexpected, exciting announcement coming up in the next few days. That made it sound like it was our announcement. It's not our announcement. It's the ECB's announcement. But the ECB are having a baby. What? <laughs> That's what everyone would have thought when you said unexpected announcement. Oh, sorry. No. Um, as, far, as far as I'm aware, we aren't. Um, no. We're actually getting the announcement for the um, for the England squad for the Sri Lanka series, um, which is being played in September, which is unprecedentedly early, I must say. I'm not sure what the rationale is um, behind announcing it this early. 
Um, any any ideas, Sid? Well, it does feel early. Obviously, we know that, that the England contracts expire in October. Okay. Therefore, players have to be told about changes to their contractual situation at least four weeks prior to that. Right. So that probably means that those conversations are ongoing and maybe say, maybe it pertains to that a bit. Uh, um, but, you know, okay. um, anyway, so an, ex, an exciting thing to, to think about next week. Obviously, this time yeah. next week, we'll be talking about who's in the squad and yeah. who isn't. Who's, who's been performing well, Raf? Who might be coming into that squad that we haven't seen so far this summer? Yeah, well, I mean, the obvious candidate is Maya Boucher. Um, she was in one of the Ashes squads, wasn't she? But she hasn't actually Didn't played play. a game for England this, this summer, um, which some people did kind of comment on at the time because she's been having some good performances for Southern Vipers um, and she's been really doing the business for Southern Brave in the 100, coming in at number three. Um, I wrote down her run of scores. 31, 9, 31, 63 not out. I think she got the um, the Meerkat Match Hero Award for that one, and then a 42. Um, so, you know, we talk about that um, powerful opening partnership um, for the Brave, but having Maya Boucher coming in, it's really behind that if one of those players doesn't come off is, is equally important. So she's been having, she's been having a great time in the 100. Yeah, but are you gonna are you gonna take Alex Capsi out from her from her role at number three? That's a bit of a dilemma there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a tough one because obviously um, I think uh, Maya Boucher when she played before in England in T Twenties was opening. Am I remembering that correctly? I thought she batted much lower down. Oh, okay. I thought she was batting at five, six, even so seven. So her natural, but her natural position in domestic cricket has been as opener. I think. Yeah, this season she's she's been opening. Yeah. So um, yeah, then the question is, how do you make room for her in the um, in the England batting lineup? Um, and what's interesting is actually that she has she is batting at, at three, as I say, for the brave. Um, will she be? Is she kind of sticking her hand up to Heather Knight and going, "Look, I'm flexible. I don't have to open um, because that means like basically axing or or changing the position of either Sophia Dunkley um, or um, Danny Wyatt, who have both been reasonably successful. Um, well. D- well, Dunkley not so much in the ashes, the ashes actually, she, but she, ha- she is kind of doing the business now a little bit for Welsh Fire, so uh, I don't know, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, but I wonder whether I wonder whether Maya has gone, I'm going to bat in the middle order for Brave, because then um, I'm showing that I can do that for England, and please can you find a, a spot for me? And I think it's... It's, it's difficult to argue against when somebody is um, outperforming, um, or is performing so well in domestic cricket. Yeah, no, I think there's no doubt she's outperforming Dunks. I mean, on form, Dunks yeah. is the one probably to go at the moment. I mean, because, you know, you, at the end of the day, you're probably not, you probably want to keep Alice Capsi in there because, you know, that's an in, investment in the future. Yeah. You're obviously not going to drop her the night. You're not going to drop Nat Silver. And, you know, by this point, you know, you're already down to that, you know, that yeah. six and seven roles and well, you know they're different yeah, kettles of fish yeah so but i wonder whether the um the way to view it if they do kind of switch in maya boucher for sophia dunkley or whoever is that actually they're viewing the sri lanka series as much more as a kind of um a sort of development opportunity um it's not going to be anything like as competitive as the ashes let's be honest There's still still world cup qualification points at stake though and england you know might end up needing them having already mm-hmm. dropped dropped a load of points to india last summer that's a really good point so, because um the other can't take risks. the other player that you i know would really like them to bring in would be grace scrivens but she is not having well, she's playing for London Spirit, so she's only had two chances in the hundred. So but she's batting, batting she's batting way down the order. She's unlikely to be able to make much of a case for herself. And let's be honest, 
her format is really um, you know, 50 over or even test cricket, um, should she get that opportunity. Um, so then you've got the dilemma of do you bring her, do you throw her in in the 50 over stuff when actually that is the stuff that matters in terms of World Cup qualification? Yeah, and at that point you're saying, well, who do, you know, who do you drop at that point? Do you, do you drop Tammy Beaumont from the 50 over team mm. you know, in order to, to make room for her? Or does she pair up with Tammy Beaumont? Do you, do you drop Emma Lamb from, from consideration yeah. and you know, have her partner with Tammy up, up top there? Move Danny White back down the order again as Danny White continues her perpetual ping pong between opening and coming in at six it's or seven. It's not massively fair on Danny White though, is it, to keep doing that to her? No, and Danny White's, you know, continues to be in, in you know, great form. Yeah. She's playing the best cricket of Absolutely. her life as well. She definitely still merits her place, you know, the, the way she's playing at the moment. Yeah. So, anyway, lots of dilemmas, which and we'll be excited to find out um, <laughs> yeah. what actually what, is who, who is in the squad, indeed, yes. Um, okay, now, Sid, while we're away, there's also been some other women's sport going on, which has been very exciting. Um, you know, practically, practically didn't have to leave the... <laughs> the bed and breakfast all week we could just sat in front of the telly and watch women's sports great um i enjoyed watching a bit of the netball world cup last weekend um unfortunately england lost to australia in the final but hey that's okay we can accept losing to australia it seems to happen a lot talking of which in the football world cup um england will be facing australia on wednesday i believe in the semi-final yeah. um so the that's going to be a bit of an exciting one um but <laughs> there was a little bit of controversy um actually um a couple of matches ago for england um in their um their match against nigeria um both sides playing for a spot in the quarterfinals at that point um yeah yeah so um you know lauren james um england player got got sent off for basically stamping on a nigerian player um it, it was a you know a horrible deeply cynical professional foul she knew exactly what she was doing and she was rightly red carded mm -hmm. but it was really interesting because you know it gave a lot of people some some food for thought because there remains this narrative that women's sport is yeah. nicer yeah. and not as dirty and not as foully as as men's sport and you know that the women playing football are all you know much more positive role models than the men um, you know, and that, that kind of gave some people some pause for thought, didn't it, Raph? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely been a narrative that has played out historically. Um, there's been this whole, and this whole kind of, the way that the press has covered women's sport and specifically thinking about women's cricket, it's been like, oh, they're all lovely and isn't it nice? And, um, you know, let's pat them on the head because they're, they don't really care about winning. They're just, um, you know, there's brighter cricket and it's, it's nicer cricket. And that's the reason why we should all go and watch it. And actually, no, what we're seeing is that as women's sport becomes professional um unfortunately it does adopt some of these um, practices of men's sport um, men's professional sport well i say unfortunately i mean you know why should the women not care just as much as the men do um in you know especially given that now there's a lot of money and fame potentially at stake i mean i obviously don't agree with stamping on somebody's back um but i i, I tell you a recent example of this in women's cricket was of course the dipti sharma man cad um because not only were people outraged um from a kind of oh it's not it's against the spirit of cricket i definitely think there was a gender thing of oh um this shouldn't be happening in women's cricket because they're nice and they like each other um Alyssa healy 
um, oh, we need to, I'm not going to say that word, but we need to bring the bee back to the women's ashes, um, was another example of it. She was saying people expect us to be nice because it's the women's ashes, and I don't agree with that. And I'm kind of, I'm on board with Alyssa Healy, I think. I was, at the time, I was a little bit uncomfortable about the man cad, but in retrospect, you kind of go, some of the, some of the kind of, um, I was going to say discourse, that's a stupid academic word, some of the conversation around that was very problematic, actually. Um, and some of the discussion around this Lauren James thing um, has also been a little bit, like people going, oh, hang on a minute, the women do things that the men do. Yeah, and there's been almost an attempt to sort of, sort of excuse her and, um, you know, that, um, mm. you know, say that, yes. oh, you know, well, obviously she, she didn't mean it. And she yeah. is, it's that whole thing of, yeah. um, you know, she's not that kind of player, which we've actually seen quite a lot of. It's, it's, it's happened so often in men's football that it's become like a sort of a standing joke that the manager will, after a player's been sent off, that the manager will come out after the game and go, oh, he's not that kind of player. And that's exactly what happened here. But we'll see that, you know, yeah. that the women can exactly be that kind of player and that, you know, that's something that we're going to need to get used to as women's sport, you know, professionalises and the stakes get higher. Yeah. And as the coaching practice is coming, because if you're telling me she wasn't coached to do that, um, then wow. you know, that's so just really nice. You're going down a very controversial <laughs> path there. But what I would say is that we have to, if we want women's sport to be treated equally and to be covered equally, then we have to equally accept that when a player does something like that, they're going to get criticised, they're going to get slammed, um, and they're going to get red carded, and there's going to be stuff said about them. Um, and um, you know, as long as it's as long as it's kind of sporting criticism rather than personal criticism, then we just have to accept that because you accept the rough with the smooth, don't you, in professional sport and in um, the, the media coverage of professional sport. So I think that's quite right. And what we've always tried to do on Cricket Her, and we have actually had a little bit of stick about this over the years, is be critical um, and try and be fair and fair-minded. But actually, when somebody does something that we don't agree with or that is, is like, if they've had a crap day, we try and call it out because that's what you have to do if you want things to be equal. Absolutely. Great. Well, we will enjoy watching um, England v Australia on Wednesday and hope hope some of our viewers do as well. <laughs> In the meantime, we've got 200 matches to watch today. Yeah. So we better get, get cracking on uploading the video, Raf. <laughs> right, so we okay. So watch the matches. Okay, well, thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.